Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for this special episode. There were a couple of recording problems with this. We did record live, and there were four of us who all like to talk quite a bit. So first of all, we do have some talking over each other. Hopefully I minimize that. But worse than that is Baron's audio was not up to par, not up to what it normally is. And he also had his sump pump going off at several times throughout the recording as well. So I do apologize for the audio quality, but there is a lot of good content in there. We cover 10 games pretty thoroughly with four of us discussing them. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to get right into the game talk, we do chat for about 15 minutes before we get into discussing our first game. So you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear our nonsense of banter. We also do have a contest at the end of this. So if you want some Marvel Champions swag, stay tuned to the end for that. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Streamed, your one stop for co-op news and playthroughs. And today we are not playing through anything. We're recapping Con of Heroes. I'm here with Terrence. What's up, Terrence? How's it going? Man, this is like going to be three times this week. People I know. Sick of me. You, you know, I am sick of you. I, I, I mean, no, no, I love you, Terrence. <laughs> I love you. Never going to get sick of you. We also have Barrett here today. I am here. It is good to be here. I am the kind of odd man out when it comes to recapping the con here, but we shall see how this goes. I'm excited for it. I also, who else is here? Brant's here. Brant and Barrett. This is going to be tough. Brant, how are you? I'm good, but I'm confused. We're going to recap the con of heroes without talking about Marvel Champions, correct? Yes. yes. So, Perfect. So, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. It's, so it's like, it's like the post game show. Like it's a post show. <laughs> yes. It's like the after movie credits. That? Yeah. So I really liked the chairs. I thought the chairs were excellent. <laughs> <laughs> good, good job. And for those of you who are, are watching us on the streaming channel, oh, I was about to say Barrett's frozen, but he's no longer frozen. So there you go. <laughs> He's what? not with us. I was like, oh, we get to look at your, like, you know how nobody ever freezes in a good position? We would have got to look at your, like, frozen face for the next, like, hour. It would have been awesome. And he's frozen again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't believe in the power of the internets in Minnesota. And I guess that's where we should start, is Minnesota. But actually, before we get started, I should thank our Patreons this time, because I totally spaced on doing it on the last one. We're going to thank Ryan Towser, Orca135. Corey Carmen, Scott Steiner, Joel Hoskins, and Keith Frickin. Ryan, Orca, Corey, Scott, Joel, Keith, thank you so much. You help us keep this thing afloat. I actually just had my computer screen shatter the other day, so I wasn't sure I was going to be able to create Whoa. any content for a while. But thankfully, my good friend Jerry was able to fix it, of course, with funds because, you know, you have to buy a new screen like that doesn't just self-repair. <laughs> so I was going to say, when you lost to Venom Goblin, did you throw it out the window? Is that why it broke? The, you know, that's exactly what happened. Funny enough, when we were streaming the other last Friday, when we were streaming Marvel Champions, this is the show not about Marvel Champions, except we're talking about Marvel Champions now. When I streamed that the other night, I actually had no monitor. I had to get a monitor and plug it in. So I had a broken screen staring me in the face. I'm trying to not look at the broken screen. Well, I've got like an actual screen and I'm, yeah, it, it was a whole thing. So yes, <laughs> you can do it, but it's not fun. So glad you have had funds <laughs> to be able to repair that. Because again, it's hard to make content without devices like computers and cameras and things like that. 
All right. For those who don't know what Kana Heroes is, Kana Heroes is a Marvel Champions convention where we just played Marvel Champions all weekend. But we already talked about that. We talked about that on Wednesday. So go to Wednesday's show if you want to learn more about that. They had custom scenarios there. We are also giving those away. So stay tuned till the end of the show to find out how to win your own custom scenarios that came from that. But... If you want to play those and you don't feel like joining a contest, whatever else, uh, you can play them. There's two ways to do that. First of all, there's a print and play. Just look up conofheroes.com and there's a print and play section there. You can print and play it and play it at home. Or you can go on Tabletop Simulator. Hitch's mod also has all the Con of Heroes stuff on it. So there's a couple ways you can play it. But if you want to win your own set of the actual printed cards, as well as a uh, Con of Heroes first player marker. Stay tuned till the end. We have a contest going, and we'll explain how to do that. <laughs> By the way, if you're not here watching on the stream channel, you have to come back just to watch, because for the last, like, however long I've been talking here, Baron's been up, down, in, out. Like, he's been all over the place. He is definitely not sat still for one second. It has been amazing. So, like... <laughs> Okay, so here's the deal. So I, I was all set. Everything's great. And I noticed, oh, my battery's kind of low. So I went to get my charger and I realized, wait, I can plug it in. So I've got it all plugged in. Everything's great. And now I realize that my power strip's been off the entire time. Well, my thumb pump is hooked up to my power strip. So now I'm oh, I better turn that on so the thumb pump can go. Oh, wait, now the thumb pump's going to overflow. So I got to stop. So we got mass chaos over here. But I'm super excited to be here for this podcast. So what you're saying is by the end of this show, you're going to be floating away. Is that what's going on? You turned off your sump pump so you can record with us today? By the end of the show that I'm actually here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's my goal. By the way, a lot of this show is going to be talking about Baron's Basement because that is where we did most of our non-Marvel Champions gaming throughout the course of the weekend was in Baron's Basement. So it's a good thing we didn't float away, I guess. Well, it's because he didn't have to turn the sump pump off. No, I mean, you wouldn't want to make too much noise during a podcast, even if it involves you floating away somewhere randomly. All right, let's introduce everybody real quick. Even if you haven't gotten to know us yet, Baron's the one that runs around a lot. Hey, it's good to be here. Yes, yes, here we go. We're going to get a lot of water running in the back. I'm sorry about that. But it'll be done soon. So is it raining where you are? Is that what's going on? And he's gone. That's no, great. it's not raining. The deal is, is that my sub pump actually goes into my wash basin. So sadly, if I get too much water into the wash basin, it's going to go over. So I got to turn the sub pump on and off until it finally drains all the water. <laughs> all right. Unbelievable. Do you live in like a lighthouse? Is it like you run up the stairs, got to turn yep. the light off? That'd be, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be like living in a lighthouse. Oh my God. That'd be so cool. Oh my gosh. I've lost control of the show already. We haven't even started yet. And you well, guys you invited are... me, Peter. What do you expect? <laughs> We're out of control. We're out of control five seconds in. I mean, that's all you need to know about Barrett, besides the fact that he has a show well before Tom and Eric's meet at me at the table. Barrett had a uh, YouTube channel called Meet Me at the Table. So uh, I think you got to sue for rights on that one, Barrett. I, I, might, I might get on that. I might get on that. Uh, yeah, I've had it for a while. I've been doing my channel since 2018, I think. So it, it's been a lot of fun. But I've been working with One Shop Club Shop for a while. I think a couple of years. Maybe two, three. You know, that's all you got. So it's been great. This audio is going to be awesome for the podcast. People are going to love it. Baron's yeah. audio is like... <laughs> Horrible. And I don't even know why. Neither do I. 
All right, but uh, <laughs> so are you trying to freeze Brent? So Brent's striking a pose over here. I mean, this is totally. Well, I thought not- you were advertising for Mountain Dew or something. All right, Brent. Well, while we've got you here, uh, let's let's talk about you and where you're coming from and how we met you, I guess, as well. So we know Barrett is part of the One Stop Co-op Shop. He uh, streams uh, a lot of our dungeon crawl type stuff on our main channel. So Brent, who are you, and uh, where would people know you from? I have a channel called Step Into the Portal, and before that, a podcast called The Portal Gaming Podcast, and it's not because I'm obsessed with portals. It's because I work for a store slash help run a store called The Portal, which is in Manchester, Connecticut, which is literally halfway between New York City and Boston. So you were big into Marvel Champions, so that's how we got to know you through our Friday streams. And you have your own YouTube where you do a lot of similar stuff to us. You stream not just Marvel Champions stuff, but you stream other stuff as well. Yeah, the idea was, you know, we started with COVID. Like a lot of people were like, well, we can't have people in the store because they shut it down. But we could bring games to people by streaming. And people tend to seem to enjoy it. Like (laughs) so many people were home. And then Marvel Champions just became one of our favorite games. And then I've since moved it to my house. So I've been streaming at my house, and I stream with two guys from Canada. We play Marvel Champions, Brian and Steve, and that's just been a lot of fun. But now I'm ready to go back to the store because I miss like playing with people. You know, Obviously, the Marvel Champions stuff will keep going, but I've been lacking on other games because I'm not necessarily a solo gamer. I don't mind showing a game off to people, but you know, playing a full solo game for me on stream is a little exhausting without another person. So... We're going back to the store. I just kind of have to finish up my school year, and then I'm going to move stuff there. And actually, I'll be, I'll be in both locations. We're going to have streaming from the store and from my house. I mean, that's pretty impressive if you could be at two locations at once. That's a <laughs> that, that's some tricky stuff right there. I can barely be in one. And barely be in <laughs> no, no, you're in a hundred places. <laughs> you yeah, you've been in a hundred places just since we started this stream. <laughs> And the only person is. that doesn't have a shelf of games behind him is Terrence. All he's at is a big ram. It's a goat. It's a goat, Peter. A goat? I'm sorry. Well, doesn't it have horns? Don't rams have horns? I guess goats have horns, too. Yeah. Cloudy the goat from work. Now, uh, is that your bed, Terrence? Like, do you just take your things off and just die behind you to bed? No. <laughs> this is just like a guest bed. So if we had someone coming over and there's like another sleep guest with a room. giant goat. <laughs> Yeah, there's another guest room, so this is like the backup guest room. Yeah, I can always tell when Terrence has house guests over because we're streaming Marvel, and I see somebody sleeping in the bed behind him. It's awesome. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. He's like, can you stop snoring back there? We're trying to stream. (laughs) So we're going to just do visual humor for the podcast this week, so you might want to go over to One Stop Club Shop Streamed (laughs) to check out the uh, video from this. I'm sure after we get into the meat and potatoes, you won't need to see the uh, the visuals anymore, but you may want to go over for the first 10 minutes at least. It's been something. That's all I can say. (laughs) You, You just like to inject 10 minutes of jokes before you get to the actual content, right? I mean, let's be honest. My whole shtick is jokes. Like, I got nothing else, Terrence. Don't take that away from me. So let's talk about Minnesota, because that's where Con of Heroes was. Barrett, have you ever been to Minnesota before in your life? You know, I've experienced Minnesota. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Barrett is from Minnesota. I had not yet been, and I wanted to go, but it was hard to justify going out there for that. But then I remembered both Colin and Barrett, also from the One Stop Co-op Shop channel, lived out there, so we were able to organize a game day, and that's mostly what we're going to talk about today, after the con, 
So that made it more likely and made me more excited to go because I love Marvel wow. Champions. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, feel like I, I feel like I just learned I wasn't good enough for you to come to Con of Heroes. You had to get Con and Baron. I had to justify this to the family, right? Like I was away from my family for like seven straight days. So I had to <laughs> come up with more than just like, hey, I want to play Marvel Champions. But don't you do that every week? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, you only made it to like 12 hours of the con or something, right? Yeah, I was there basically just for Sunday. Less than a day. So that's why this one's going to be way more informative for me than the last one, because we'll talk about other games that I played, which I spent more time playing other games than Marvel Champions, I think, over the course of the weekend. And it was neat. So this was my first time going. And I know, Terrence, you said you had been before. Brent, was this your first time or had you been to Minnesota before? Nope, I'd never been to Minnesota before, so it was fun. I didn't get to see a lot of the Twin Cities, which would have been fun. So if I get a chance to go back, I'd like to do that and and see some of those cities in addition. But the Game Center was really neat to see, especially running our own store, being able to see what other stores look like. And I walked in Saturday night. In fact, when you had arrived there, Peter, and at the front desk was Christian Peterson. He was like, hey, would you like some food or something? And I was like, no, I'd love to know about your store. He called somebody over and he gave me like a 30-minute tour of the whole place and the back rooms and all the things they do, which was really neat. So that was funny, just bumping into Christian Peterson. <laughs> and that's one of the interesting things about it. So game centers, I mean, we'll we'll start with that before we will get Zenter. into talking about games. Yeah, game center. Yes. Zenter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get that wrong all day. <laughs> but it's like attached to Fantasy Flight, basically. So it was neat just to be there. So, Terrence, you've been there a couple times before. What has your feeling been about Game Zenter? It's a really cool space. They have a common area, like, not during the cons. I guess you would call it, like, a board game cafe, right? If you have one in your town where you can get both food and drinks as well as play board games. And so they have ample space to play. And then also, it's not, like, necessarily a full-on restaurant, but, like, a decent amount of food options, which, when you're at the con, is semi-important because you'd probably be eating two plus meals a day there for like the whole weekend so it's nice to get both like coffee beer etc as well as uh, normal food and then they have a whole separate like section away from the kind of public air for just like events and so that's kind of where we held the con yeah it's a really neat space and it was pretty full on both days so i was decently surprised at how many people were in the middle of like because it's not like downtown minnesota here it is. It is in a like suburb. Of, oh, yeah, it's like middle of nowhere. For yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I, I was trying to be nice. Yeah, I was in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I mean, if you're going, I think to like the Twin Cities, like you're not going to Roseville, most likely. Okay, so where you are, it's kind of a suburb of the cities, and you're actually in the warehouse district of that suburb is where you are for this like game center. So we're in the warehouse district in Minnesota, but no, Game Center was really fun. I, I was glad I got a chance to experience it. I definitely recommend if you were anywhere in or around that area that you go by and check it out. Certainly, it was good to be there for an event, so I had people to play with. You don't need to be there for an event. Colin and I got there at 10 in the morning and played eight missions of Journeys of Middle Earth until about, what, 8 o'clock? And then Terrence, you joined us for a Lord of the Rings game for a couple hours there. So let me ask you, Barrett, why did you guys play there? Because you have Colin's house, you have your house. Why would you go to game centers? And and this is a good question for anybody. And actually, sorry, Brent, Barrett, this is going to drive me crazy all day. Brent. <laughs> it's glorious. <laughs> Brent, I want you to chime in on this too. Like, what do you do to attract people to leave their house and come to a game store? But let's start with you, Barrett. Why did you guys go play Journeys in the Middle Earth there rather than playing at one of your guys' houses? Because you guys well, I- were there. 
Yeah, I assumed it was because I was there. Yeah, like, that I, was it. We wanted to see Terrence. We didn't care about Marvel, but we wanted to see Terrence. And so we <laughs> thought we'd play some Journey's Middle Earth. He could step out and hang out with us. We thought about this for a while because we're trying to think if we should play a game together for a long time. And then if people wanted to come out from the con and play with us, they could just jump in. So we thought Journey's would be really good. But I don't know if it really was that great for that. When you guys suggested, I was like, that's a terrible idea. And then you didn't listen to me. And then when I asked to play, you're like, I got to finish this mission. It'll be done in like 15 minutes. And then it was like an hour later. Well, here's the other problem with that game. You can't really jump in in the middle. You can't jump in the middle and you also can't stop and save. And so it just like was did not seem like if that was the plan, maybe the best idea. But I'm glad you all got a bunch of good time in. We did. We had a good time. And yes, we, we, you're right. Looking back on it. But hey, now we're close to finishing up that whole campaign. And I'm excited to finish it. I don't know when we're going to get to it again, but hopefully pretty soon. We'll see. So, so was but. this the base game or was this one of the ex- many expansions? The third expansion. Okay. So has anybody else here played Journeys in Middle Earth beside Barrett? I have, which is also why I suggest it was maybe not the best choice if that was the plan, but it's a fantastic <laughs> game. So w- what are your thoughts about it, Terrence? I love it. I mean, Colin's the one that introduced it to me. He made me go through the entire campaign with him in one weekend of like the core box. Oh, wow. And and that was that was that was a lot of journeys. And I didn't hate it at the end, but I didn't want to play it immediately soon after because I think the journeys per minute was very high for an entire weekend. Yeah. I think one time <laughs> That's a lot. He, he like he had to go to church. It was like Sunday, right? So he had to go to church with his family, but I wasn't going with them. And he basically said, while I'm at church, can you please set up the next mission and get all the stuff ready? So when I get home, we can immediately play to try to like finish it before I had to leave on Monday. Nice. So, Brant, sounds like you played it as well. Yeah, no, I played through a bit. I tried to play with my family and they didn't, it got a little long. They didn't stay engaged and I don't have an iPad, but it was like one person just on the screen a lot. It felt like with three and four people was trickier. Yeah. So that didn't stay as engaged as I had hoped with my daughter. But then I played with a friend, I want to say last year, we did like every Tuesday, we played one, two or three. I think the last day we played three to finish it up. And it was great. I I think my only complaint is just you don't get enough items as you go through. It's kind of like every other and they take an hour plus. And I felt like if they gave you a few more options for upgrades and items, it would be a little more engaging of like, ooh, now I want to do the next one because I have these two new pieces of equipment. And sometimes you don't get as much. Uh, What player count did you play at? Oh, at two? Really good for a podcast. Two. (laughs) (laughs) Just hold up your fingers the whole time. Why don't you do sign language for the rest of the podcast? That'd be awesome. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. It's all good. Go uh, I'll answer your other question, too, about why would you play at a game store? Yeah, please. So, yeah. I mean, I would kind of answer the part where you said, oh, why didn't you just play at somebody else's house? But there's a lot of people who, for various reasons, don't want to play at their house. So it could be they like meeting up at like with a game group at a game store because it's kind of an eclectic group of people who's going to show up that week. And so the like who's going to show up that week is a lot safer in a common space. Some people, it's it's kids are around or pets. I've got a lot of pets, and if people are allergic to animals, that's going to be tough for them to play in a house or space. Some people don't have a table, not you know they don't have a rascalers or a board game tables or um, game toppers. Like they don't have any of those to play on, but a store might have some nicer tables to play on. And then a way to attract people is events, right? You've got learn to plays. In fact, that's where I was tonight. I was doing a learn to play My Hero Academia. So the idea is. Don't bring any cards. Don't bring anything. Don't know how to play the game. We'll teach you. We'll supply everything. It's all there for you. 
and then just community and logistics sometimes. So like one of my best friends that I play with, he lives 30 minutes north of the portal. I live 30 minutes south of the portal. So we're an hour almost between each other, but the portal's right in between us. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. We have the king of co-op in the chat as well, Steve Kingsley, who says, no kids is reason enough to attend game centers. <laughs> so I think that's a there very go. good point. To be fair, there and are kids other reasons at game too. Center, just not his kids. <laughs> right. Well, that yeah, uh, no, good enough though. I guess we didn't really explain what Journeys of Middle-Earth is. We probably should have. So it's kind of like Mansions of Madness, if you've played that one. So describing one game with another is always the best way to describe things to people. It really like... It's an adventure game. A Lord of the Rings adventure game, app-based. And you're doing skill checks based with cards, and you're leveling up your guys through not only items, but also through their card deck itself. And it's just a skill check type game is what you're doing. And you're fighting monsters doing skill checks and... Yeah, it's a it's a really fun game. It's a pretty easy system to deal with. Uh, the only thing is, of course, it is a pretty heavy app-based game, comparatively. You also have to really like shuffling tiny cards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you got to sleeve them. Otherwise, they're going to get wrecked. Oh, oh no. Peters <laughs> are probably wrecked. No, no, mine are unsleeved <laughs> and they are unwrecked. That's because you haven't played it. Oh, no, I played it. I've played... That game, all right, so here, here's my experience with Journeys of Middle-Earth. I played the first six missions three times, and that's <laughs> probably my biggest complaint with the game. If you don't keep your momentum going, it's really hard yeah. to get back into it, to, like, jump in halfway. And then the other negative with it is that you can't just add people or subtract people in the middle of your campaign. I you think bas- you just described campaign games, Peter, like, generically. Like, there are definitely sure. some exceptions to that, but, like, I feel like... That comes with the territory of like a lot of campaign games. But a lot of them, you can at least jump people in or out. Whereas Journeys of Murder, it's not even an option unless you're going to play extra characters or have two people playing one character, I guess, if you want to add a player in. I don't even know how you do that. Dr. Han said he does not like Journeys of Middle Earth personally. He didn't give any reasons for it. I thought the gameplay was clever. I like the skill check system. It's very similar to Mansions of Madness in the fact that you're doing running around doing skill checks, even fighting's done with the skill check. It's the same system over and over. But I thought that using cards instead of dice really added something to it. And so for me, it was a step up. And I did enjoy, and I've enjoyed all my plays. Plus, every other mission is like on a smaller map board. Like when you're setting up the big map board, it's one thing. But when you have those smaller missions, they only take about 30 minutes. So I do like that change of pace that they give you every other mission as well. So that was kind of good. But as Terrence said, with any of these games, the leveling's not really as fast as I ever hoped it would be. Yeah, I, I would say the skill check system, like people mentioned, is very unique. The scouting system, the fact that you can basically like favor the deck for that at least that first skill check. And then also the trade-off of like, do you take this really cool text ability? Because you can only use them as text when it's like out in front and you've scouted it. Versus like leaving it in as successes. So you do get some of those decisions that you get to make. And they're kind of important decisions too. Sometimes your best cards are actually going to be successes. And do you want them on your board or in your deck? Yeah, that's that's one of the best parts about it is uh, just making those tough decisions. Because you're right. Things that are good for you are good in two ways. And which way do you want to use them? Do you want to use them to make sure you pass skill checks? Or do you want to use it to make sure that you have a cool ability? That was journeys. We did that on Friday. I mean, for eight hours. So that's like that's like the longest. That's like the longest game you played, right? The entire weekend. Yes, for sure. (laughs) All right. So Terrence, you and Brant came in. I guess not together, but you guys both came in on what Friday night? Yes, but we left together. So there's that. I came in Friday morning. He came in Thursday night. 
I landed at the correct airport. He landed at the wrong one. This is also true. I mean, he got there, so I feel like it couldn't have been that wrong of an airport. Because the hail, I got diverted to Rochester, Minnesota, which I did not know existed in Minnesota. So. <laughs> right. You First thought you were in New York there. for a minute? Oh. Yeah. Well they, well, they didn't even say the state. Because we were circling. And they're like, well, we got to go and get fuel. And we're going to Rochester. Assuming <laughs> yes, I knew where that was. I was just like, the only Rochester I know is New York. And that doesn't sound close at all to go get fuel. Right. Uh, but that was only like a 20-minute drive so away. When Terrence Plane decided to land, they happened to have the first hail storm we've had in a yep. long time in Minnesota. It hailed golf ball sized hails down onto my lawn, my car. Well, not my car. It's thank goodness to put the darn garage. But so then he's like, yeah, it's di- diverting us. And I was thinking, really? And also the hail came like, oh. So I kept so, updating the app. Like, when's he going to get here? Like, oh, hey, it says you're leaving Rochester. He's like, nope, I'm still on the tarmac. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing about Minnesota, before we get into really talking about games, where I live in Maryland, people don't use their garage for their cars. People keep all their junk in their garage. One thing I noticed in Minnesota is like, if you got a two-car garage, you got two cars in that garage. I got a two-car garage. It's one car and then a bunch of bicycles and a button. We had a kayak and we got rollerblades. Three-car garage there, Peter. And just random junk in there. No, we we don't put two cars in a two-car garage. In fact, a lot of people don't have any cars in their garage. Some people even just well, keep like a boat there because or when you when you wake up in the morning and it's negative 70 degrees and you go out <laughs> into the driveway where your car is that is now covered with two feet of snow and you get in and you plug the key in after you've brushed it all off, which took you a good 20 minutes, you can't feel your hands and you're going to the key thing. You're going... Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> like please start (laughs) all right first you don't have to worry about the snow you just go in there you turn the key and it goes but then do you have to shovel your driveway no you just punch it margaret (laughs) (laughs) you just back up as fast as you can blow straight through that thing and get the driveway do like a whole big crappy or what do you call it? Like spinning the car around or whatever, right into the, <laughs> front of the road, and you got it. You don't ever want to stop. As soon as you stop, the wheels go like this. You don't go anywhere. All right. So well, I want to go to work in Maryland because in Maryland, apparently, you load up your bicycle and your kayak on top of your car. You drive till you get to the water. You put the bicycle on your kayak, go across the water, leave the kayak, get on your bike, and ride the rest of the way to work. I mean, that sounds exciting. I mean, that that, that that would be a lot to do. But yes, you, you can do that, <laughs> I, I guess, theoretically. I mean, our kayak's not quite big enough to hold bicycles, I don't think. But you probably tow it through the water. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Put, like water skis on it. <laughs> Did we, we actually come here to talk about games? <laughs> so, yeah. So that was Friday. And then Thursday. Okay, we're going to get to Saturday, which is really. You guys just <clears> did the con on Saturday, right? That was the deal. Well, P- Peter was flying. That's what That's Peter right. did. Yep. So I flew in. I played Saturday Lord of the Rings night. card game. Oh. oh, you did. All right. Got a chance to play with some people from Fantasy Flight or Asmodee. So I guess we can talk about Lord of the Rings. Everybody's played that. So Lord of the Rings used to be one of my favorite games. And at some point, just without people still playing with me, I stopped playing it. But it's very fun. It is interesting. I, I actually, Terrence and I had a great conversation about it on the way home or on the Uber where it was like in Marvel Champions, if a certain hero can't beat a certain villain. Sorry, I like Marvel Champions better because I'm into that one. I'm collecting everything. Um, Lord of the Rings probably has like better deck building, but it's way more in depth. So that's trickier. Uh, But I definitely enjoy both of them. But it is interesting that if a certain hero can't beat a certain villain, it feels like something's wrong. 
but you'd never think that way in Lord of the Rings. You'd just be like, oh, I'll just get rid of that hero and go get another hero that can do it. So right. it does really have a different mindset to it, which is interesting. Where like, oh, clearly this hero isn't going to help with this mission in Lord of the Rings, and it's not a problem. But it's probably a matter that you have three. Yeah, so, so how about you, Barrett? Have you played a lot of Lord of the Rings? That We know Terrence loves it. I played an entire con of the Rings. Oh, okay. Started and we, we played uh what two three days straight pretty much it was awesome it was really really fun probably it was probably one of the most enjoyable like big game sessions I've had in a long time it was really cool the thing is is because I came in thinking like oh I got this great deck I'm gonna bring it in we're gonna play I don't know much about this game I mean I I just been kind of introduced to it and they're like I'm and they're like oh you want to come to Con of the Rings I'm like sure what the heck let's give it a shot <laughs> wow there's a lot going on in that game and it was pretty awesome. Meanwhile, then you could also just get like railroaded into a game that's going to last supposed to be two hours, but it's only an hour. And that's at the end of Jan- that was something else. Terrence or Collins like, here's a deck for you. You can play it. I'm like, OK, I have no idea what to do with this deck. I draw I, a card. To be fair, I asked if Colin put certain cards in there and the answer was no. <laughs> then I had no idea what to do with this deck. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's like, oh, you don't want that hand. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't want this hand. I'm all like in that hand, I get a new deck. I'm like, okay, how's this one? He's like, oh, that's fine. So I'm playing cards out, and I'm like, I wish I knew what to do. He's like, well, you should probably be digging for this card. I'm like, oh, okay, I dig for the card. And then he's like, pulls the card out of my deck, puts a discard pile. I'm like, that was awesome. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. What is going on, Colin? <laughs> so, so, so basically, Colin Alpha gamed you the whole time. You heard it here first, folks. It's funny you should say that because we just had a talk about that on co-op chat. Yes, he did because, sadly, I, I understood why he did it. I didn't know what I was doing because right. he built the entire thing, and we were trying to get in a, basically a two-hour game done in like an hour. <laughs> yeah. So so what you're saying, it was it a was great experience for you <laughs> as, a, as a new that player. That one was not the greatest experience, but the whole con of the rings when I was there with Terrence and Steve and Colin and all of us together, that was a really cool experience. And I got to meet, was it Bjorn? Is that the other guy who was there? Yeah, Bjorn from Austin. He was uh, he was really awesome. They even let me try some of those decks out. I mean, there were decks everywhere, and, and the good thing was they're kind of explaining them before I tried them. Instead, just here's your deck, draw some cards. Yeah, yeah. he uh, he didn't alpha game you, so no. you got that going for you. Can we just have a moment for Bjorn from Austin? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bjorn from Austin. Yep. <laughs> we have like a local Austin Basie playgroup that plays at a game store. Coming back to kind of, I guess that topic a little bit. And so he's probably one of the more famous folks in the Lord of the Rings community. And in the Lord of the Rings books. Yes. But different Bjorn, I guess. He's a giant bear. He is a giant bear. Which is awesome. (laughs) He has these, uh, it's fun for like his tokens. He has these like little animal, like plastic figures or like squishy rubber things that he uses as tokens. Nice. So he has like bears and and eagles and and stuff that kind of matches like the animals in Lord of the Rings. So Uh, I think to summarize Lord of the Rings, LCG. It's very good. If you like the other LCGs, try it. They're starting it up again, so it's the perfect time to jump back in. Yeah, and there's a lot of content out there. I mean, Marvel mm-hmm. Chans- Champions has a lot of content, but Lord of the Rings has, like, years and years on it. There's it's like 10, 10 years. I will say it's probably a more difficult game, both to learn, at least in my mind, and to beat as well. The, the, the difficulty level is just higher on it, but rewarding if you like deck building, for sure. All right, so I showed up Saturday. We played some games. I did play a co-op game on Sunday. I played uh, at the con. So Sunday was not just playing Marvel Champions all day. I played Power Rangers. Has anybody played that one beside me? You're welcome, by the way, Peter. I won't touch that game with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, I, I played it. I was the one that conned Peter into playing the game. But yeah, he's like, no, you play it. And then he walked away from me. I got pulled for some host duties or something. And then, and then I next wanted th- to come back. But then, and then they filled my seat, and I was like, well... 
Okay. And next thing I know, he's playing Marvel Champions. I'm like, wait a minute. You've been playing for two days now. I just got here and I'm playing Power Rangers instead of playing Marvel Champions, which is the whole reason I came here. I demoed Power Rangers at Gen Con 1819. Right. And so the two guys I was with were demoing it and there was two other people. So I backed out of the game and then they had to leave. So they're like, oh, you can jump in. And they explained the whole game to me. And then they're like, okay, oh, you just died. (laughs) (laughs) After all that. After they did the whole teach for me, they're like, oh, you just died on literally the next move, whatever it was. I was like, well, never mind. And then whatever, they went on to win the game in the next round or something. But it was just funny that they gave me the like five to seven minute teach. And then I literally died on the next action. Wait, you can't like die, die there. Like, like, I feel like if you die, everyone loses. That's that's how the game works. You have lives. Maybe we won on the next move. I'm pretty sure I died. Yeah, you, you definitely have lives. I think people can get you up. or so, I, I can't remember. But you, yeah, you I don't, I don't remember. Back. I just remember the humorous story that maybe is slightly off from what I can remember. Maybe they just wanted to teach you and they didn't actually want you to play. Yeah, right. So they, told, they were like, we got funny. another group waiting. By the way, you're dead. Next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you, you have shared lives at the command center, and every time someone dies, like you take one of those tokens off, and then basically, if there's any point where someone dies and there are no tokens left, then everyone loses. There is no player elimination in power. So maybe I died, so I lost my action, and then they proceeded to win before, before I got you to got come action. back to life. That might be what it was. In the game, everybody's got two actions, but... One of those actions couldn't be, I mean, it's basically move and initiate a fight. There's also heal yourself, I think, is the only other option. Maybe I'm wrong, Terrence. You played the game more than me. Yeah, but, there's there's recover, move, and then, uh, yeah, like initiate a battle. And the way it works is everybody at that location is part of the battle. But the problem is, if you're not at that location, then you're literally doing nothing during these 10-minute battles. <laughs> Which, I mean, I guess could be faster. The combat system is very interesting. But even if you're at the battle, if you don't have the best cards to play at the time, then you're not necessarily going to even be participating. So that's my one criticism of the game is I think it would work better at lower player counts. We played at the maximum player count. We did have a lot of cooperation, a lot of teamwork. So we mostly had all of us at most of the fights. But if you weren't there or if your cards just weren't useful at that time, it did feel like there was some downtime in it. But... I think the card play was very clever. I really like the combat system. It's unique. I haven't seen it anywhere else where you flip up basically AI cards representing the monsters and then the monster is going to activate, then you're going to activate. Then the next monster is going to activate and then you're going to activate. And what I mean by activate is you're basically playing a card from your hand and the card tells you what to do. It's like do three damage to a monster. It's rolling dice. That's right. There were hits and stuff like that. But bottom line is you're playing cards to roll dice to attack these monsters But your cards are also your life. So there was a lot of interesting things going on with the combat system. But I think the downtime can be a problem at higher player counts for sure. Yeah. And then from like designer reviews and stuff, like the the card play is designed after pretty heavy card games, like your Netrunner, your Magic, etc. So like you can definitely, I think, like look like when you look at those deck of cards and you play it, like you definitely see they're trying to do interesting things in that combat system, which is probably not, I think, what people would necessarily expect coming from a Power Rangers IP game. Like that is probably not the thing. That is, I mean, not what I thought when Jan from the Discord taught me the game. And by design, too, I think you're expected to cooperate a lot. I think you oftentimes aren't expected to go into battle by yourself and, and kind of come out unscathed and be able to win. They're supposed to have weaknesses to every character, which is why like there is a lot of teamwork in that game. Yeah. All right. So after that, we wrapped up the con for the day. We did play more uh, Marvel Champions, obviously. And then we were invited over to Colin's house for dinner. 
So Barrett came, picked us up, and Terrence and I went over there, which was neat because it was kind of like a OSCS meeting, I guess. Like, you know, we're all meeting, not for the first time necessarily, but I haven't spent very much time with these guys, and we've worked together for well over a year now, and uh, we met basically and played one game, and I think it was The Mind was the only thing we'd ever done together. As a group, we met at the Gen Con that one year. I ran into you in the the hall, and then after you came up to the place, we're just playing some games together. We played the mind. We went out for dinner, and that was really about it. Yeah, so it was it was a nice time to kind of get to know each other a little bit better. But we did play two games because Colin's wife's favorite game is Orleans Invasion, specifically the co-op version. We played Orleans Invasion, and Barrett, that was your first time playing, right? Yes. And Terrence, had you played before? Yeah, I played it on a BGG cruise, That the Invasion specifically. Okay. How about you, Brent? Have you played Orleans Invasion yet? Oh, yeah, several times. Yeah, so you can get in on this conversation as well. So for those of you who don't know, Orleans is a bag builder, mostly a competitive game where you are buying chits to put in your bag, to draw them out, to give you certain actions on the board. And this is the cooperative version of it, where basically each person has their own private goal, and then you have a board of stuff that you need to fill up by doing certain actions as well. So, Barrett, you being the uh, new person to the game, the only one who hadn't played it before, what were your thoughts of it? It's fine. <laughs> group things out of bag, you did stuff. Yeah, it worked out okay. We made it through. It seemed very, it was It was fun. It was fun. I'm glad I got to play with you guys. I don't know if I'd have played it on my own. Oh, you um, would not have. There's zero chance. For those people who don't know Barrett, he's a dungeon crawl guy. Like, this is as far away from crawling through a dungeon as you could possibly get. Very true. Now, don't get me wrong. I love to play all different kinds of games. But yes, this is not one I would normally gravitate towards if I was like, hey, I got nothing to do tonight. I'm going to put this game on the table and play it. If, like, if say my wife wanted to play it, I'd be more than happy to play it. I think we'd have a great time. But, I mean, it was great. The mechanics were, were fine. There was nothing, like, that I thought was too bad or too good or anything that was, like, broken or things that weren't working or anything like that. So it's a well-thought-out game. Works out pretty good, I think. All right. So, Brent, this is one you own. So, mm-hmm. obviously, I, I mean, maybe not obviously because I bought many games that I don't like in the, in the long run. But uh, I'm assuming you like this one. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I do. I think I bought it and played with my wife as well. And I, I played it at a con in Massachusetts that we played at five. We may have even had six people, but playing five player, I can't remember. And I definitely think it doesn't downscale well. Like two's a lot harder than five, if I remember correctly. So that's just an interesting part that it's going to be a lot harder with two. But we have managed to beat it. I think I like the competitive version better. And then I like Altiplano better than Orleone. So it kind of scales down, but they're all really fun games. I mean, they're definitely exciting to play and they're very accessible. I feel like if you know Orleones, it's pretty easy to teach to whoever you want to, kids, starting gamers, whatever. I mean, proof be told that I taught it to Barrett. So, and it's me teaching and Barrett learning. So, I mean, you talk about a, a match made in whatever, Probably not meant to be, but uh, yeah, no, it, it, went, it oh, went just fine. I will say it is on my list of top 10 worst games to set up. Yeah. I hate setting up this game. Yeah, there's a lot of discs <laughs> to put in a lot of different places. <laughs> and Cast- the deluxe version is worse because you have all those wooden pieces with all, and you're supposed to randomly get them. It's way easier with chits that you can just flip upside down and then flip them up. It's yeah. way better to not have the deluxe version in my mind. So and I don't even game. dislike setting up games i enjoy setting up games but this one is hard to set up well it was set up when we got there so good news it was set up ready to go when we got there all right terrence you played it before but just quick impressions 
I thought it's good. I don't know if there's a ton of co-op bag builders out there. I don't play. know that there's uh, any. Oh, well, the only one I know of is the solo Warp's Edge. Yeah, there's Warp's Edge, which is something like quicker and faster and probably a little tactical crunchy. Um, yep. I enjoy his Warp Edge as well. But yeah, it's not it's not co-op unless you house roll it like Mike does, right? So I thought it was just really refreshing because I don't know of another one. And there's definitely some neat, like, I, I feel like the... The coolest moments was kind of like, I think like probably a third or halfway when we kind of got our engines a little built of just like, who needs this? Who needs that? And having mm-hmm. that discussion, I think was really cool because if you don't do that, then it's just like, you're just kind of playing solitaire. Like that Yeah, it's kind of neat that they have that whole like system where you can be like, okay, I can let you borrow this guy if you needed to use it. Like, does anybody, I've got an extra blue guy. Anybody need an extra blue guy? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, cool. It was funny because you're right, Terrence. It wasn't until about halfway to two thirds of the way through that we really started using those actions. And I'm not even sure that it was a matter of we had our engines built better. I think it was more a matter of we got more comfortable with the game and started doing that. One of the things I like about this that it does that not many games do, because you have those individual goals, people can take harder goals and easier goals. There are different levels of goals you can take. So people who are experienced with the game can take harder goals and challenge themselves more while still playing in the same game with people who are taking easier goals. Meanwhile, the overall goal is still the same for the whole table, where you're trying to to fill this middle table as well. But everybody's got to get their personal goal or the whole team can't win. So it's not like something like Dead of Winter, where you're trying to get a personal goal and then you can't win. It's literally the whole table can't win unless everybody gets their personal goals. And then you're the traitor and you win anyways. Right. There's no traitor in Orleans Invasion. That's that's one of the nice (laughs) parts. But it's a good one if you like medium weight Euro games. It's a lot of fun and I like the co-op version. It was funny when we were at Origins last year, like one of the first cons that opened up after crazy pandemic, which we're still in the middle of, but um, first ones we went to, we were playing with uh, the Secret Cabal guys, and they're like, oh, man, this game's so hard. We never win. Nobody ever wins. And then uh, we proceeded to win and then just won again this time. So I don't know. You we know, won some pretty people handedly, just... too. I mean, by the end of the by the last turn, we're kind of like, okay, what, what else do we have to do? I think we're good, aren't we? Kind of thing. Well, with two turns to go, though, everybody was sweating a little bit. We, a little we, bit. We, right. pull, we pulled it together at the end, but there does have to be a lot of discussion. And I think that's part of it. I think co-op gamers, definitely, you get an advantage from being somebody who's good at cooperating with other people, for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, try to two players or three players to make it a lot more difficult. No. There you go. <laughs> what was that? Barrett just said no. No. <laughs> no. I, 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 don't want, I don't want more difficult. Gosh darn it. <laughs> that's right. I'll take it easy. Easy street. Nice. All right, so after that, we played a little game, which we're not going to spend almost any time on, called Spare Parts. We just played through the two... Well, so here's the thing. First room, right? Yeah, God God bless Terrence, Barrett, and Colin, because I, like, grabbed a prototype that I had of this game, because Colin really wanted to try it out, so it's a... It's a game we're in development on, but I hadn't touched the game in over a year because we've been focusing on another game we've been working on. And I grabbed a prototype I had, which I thought was updated. Certainly wasn't. Like the mission one cards were mission zero now. And like, I hadn't played the game in over a year. So teaching the game, even your own game, trust me. Like there's no way you're remembering the rules 
to even your own games after a year. So it was a pretty rough teach. We did get to go through one room, though, and I think everybody had a good time. I'm pretty sure Colin did because he requested it again the next day. So that's one I'm super excited about. Like, everything kind of came together on that game for us, and I'm sure Mike and I will have an episode where we talk a lot more about it in the future as we're getting further into development and uh, getting ready to publish it. But that was Sunday. Then we went back to the hotel. I think... I can't remember if we played Marvel Champions. No, I think that was it. That was it for Sunday night. We played Saturday night for sure. And then we chatted it up because I ended up staying in your room. Yep. There was a lot of Marvel Champions talk that happened that night, which is, uh, it always happens. By the way, after our streams, when I shut them off on Friday night, I'm like, Terrence, I got to go to bed, dude. I got to go to bed. That's it. And then an hour later, we're still talking Marvel Champions. Like literally. (laughs) I mean, it's at will, man. It's at will, Peter. You're welcome to leave at any point. I mean, I did actually, so we recorded the Con of Heroes episode the other night with you, Dan and I, by the way, if you haven't heard that one, go listen to it. And like, literally I just got off and I come back like 30 minutes later and the three of them are still sitting there talking it up. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> look, I was going to shut down the room, but I waited because I wasn't sure if it would kick them off or not. But yeah, no, when you get a bunch of Marvel champions, people, I guess anybody who's nerds about anything who like is nerding out about it, like we're just going to sit there and, and talk forever. I'm curious about the con, like any con, right? Like where you have one game in common, like what the ratio of playing to just like chatting and chilling is, because I feel like there's inertia to starting a new game and stuff sometimes. Yeah. Just jumping back to Orleans real quick. Steve uh, Kingsley says, I haven't won Orleans. Enjoyed it, though. So there you go. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Like, I, I don't remember losing that game. Maybe I just cheat, though. I mean, Terrence has certainly... Plenty of people have caught me cheating on the stream plenty of times. So who knows? Maybe I just cheat every time I play. I, I've never won the competitive game, by the way. I'm not actually good at the game, but I feel like I'm good at the co op part of the game, maybe. There you go. All right, so we started Monday with Barrett. It's your time to shine, buddy. Woo! So Barrett comes and picks us up Monday with nope. this thing in his nope. car. Super no? close. Super close. Uh, the other Minnesotan picked you up. Oh, Colin picks us up. Oh, no, no. So that's what it was. It was Sunday night. Did we have? Colin had the thing with Sunday him. night. That's right. <laughs> so Colin came down to pick us up on Monday. Okay. And so there's a kid seat in the back seat of the car. <laughs> With a giant Cthulhu in it. When I say I mean, giant... Don't you have a photo of this? Don't you well, have a photo of this, Peter? Aren't you prepared? Well, no. Because it's more hilarious in the car Hold seat, on. Right? Barrett has the Cthulhu right next to him. But he, doesn't have the, but he doesn't have the car seat. I don't have the car seat, but I got the Cthulhu. Yeah, this Cthulhu... You know, do you know this is a podcast, right? Where Well, I know. That's what I'm asking. Picture. How big is this thing? And I, there are pictures on our Discord. There you go. There's the picture of it in the car seat. That is me sitting next to it in that photo. So this thing is huge. How big would you say that thing is? It's over a foot. It's probably close to two feet tall. Yeah, it's, I don't know, up to my knee. How'd that do? Up to your knee. So a foot and a half to two feet tall. Easily. Took Uh, me all day to paint. Just the one day? I mean, it would take me. it took me one day to paint it. It would take me one year to paint that. It's ridiculous. It took me one day to paint this thing. So Colin shows up with this thing in his baby seat. (laughs) 
and Terrence and Brant sat in the back seat with this Cthulhu like strapped in and I'm like in the front seat laughing at them because it's ridiculous. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. We're driving down the street. We could go in the HOV lane because we had this thing in the car with us. It was, uh, yeah, definitely another person for sure. So we did end up not just carrying this thing around with us. We actually, the first game we played was Cthulhu Death May Die and on the giant Cthulhu map. Yeah, this guy's an actual board. He's well, it's his own mission, right? You had to buy yeah. that to get that mission. You had to buy Correct. the giant statue. Had you all played Cthulhu Death May Die before? Remind me. Yes. Yep. Yes, I have played it one time with Calm, but only on TTS. Tell and I recorded this scenario. Cthulhu Death May Die is probably my favorite dungeon crawl at this point. I really do like it. It's, I mean, it's not traditional because you're not necessarily in a dungeon you're running through different mansions and other things like that but i mean it plays exactly like a dungeon crawl you're leveling up as the game goes on you're fighting you're rolling dice there's monsters on the board you're doing all the tropey dungeon crawl stuff so call it what you will but i love cthulhu death may die it's just complicated enough to make it interesting but not so complicated that you lose track of what's going on or it becomes a burden and the game, like the rules mechanics don't take away from the story that's being told at the table, at least in my mind. So for me, it's you know one who of, doesn't like Cthulhu death may die. Who's that? The wives. Oh. Both my wife and Colin's wife wants to know when each one of each, each of us can take this back. <laughs> that, that is what was said in the chat. Yeah. That's my when, wife. She goes, when, when is it going back? back? Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do they not like do the death man die or just just the giant miniature? It's just because it's out of control. There's no place to put it. It's not exactly something you can put on a coffee table. People go, oh wow, that's really nice. And like Colin, I think actually had it behind a chair in his game room, hidden away. Yes. So he brought it over here. And he's like, why do I have to put this back in my car? I'm like, you can just leave it here. I'll take care of it. And my wife the next day, Robin's like, he was sitting on the like windowsill, and she's like, what is that? And why is it here? (laughs) <laughs> but, but you could say that that mini helped me get chocolates for you. Yes, there you yeah, go. It, it, I got it, it, I got chocolates from Terrence thanks to the miniature. Yeah, which yes. were gone in a day. <laughs> the chocolates were good. That's why. I don't think I've played a game that's so consistently good. It's like yeah. every time I played it, it's consistently good. And I'm sure. Oh, there was one I played the Masquerade one solo, and it doesn't actually work solo. Because you have to be like in two places at once or something. Yeah. So I can't remember. I didn't realize that. So I think I just started fudging rules and that one wasn't so good. But I was playing it the way it wasn't meant to be played. Every time I play it, it almost exceeds my expectations. Like even this time I was like, I don't think we're going to get anywhere. And then all of a sudden we won. (laughs) Ish. We'll we'll, we'll say ish because we cheated at least twice. And, and on purpose, this wasn't even like Peter messing up rules cheating. <laughs> That's it, true. I did forget. It was, uh, but either way, it let us keep progressing, and it was still fun. I mean, even if we had all died, I mean, I that's the alive. that's the cool part about co op games. Right? Darren's you, almost died. He just had to re roll his dice three or four times. Right. Well, I like yeah, Colin, I like Colin re roll it for me three or four times. It's like, oh no, he that won. didn't count. He was the one that wanted to cheat. <laughs> well, it's not cheating. It's well, it's cheating. But it's like, you know, we don't want to end the game or we don't want somebody... It's continuing to... the entertainment. Exactly. When you cheat to make it more entertaining for longer, it's better. So, Terrence, you're not typically a dice rolly dungeon crawlery type person. What are your thoughts on it? It's fine. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I just talked to Barrett about Orleans. <laughs> like, it's like, why am I asking the other person? Like, I mean, I, I have other dungeon crawlers. It's just, it's fine. Like, it's streamline it's a good game just don't feel the need to own it i don't need giant cthulhu either 
Well, I don't know the giant you know, Cthulhu. Cool about, the, the best thing about Cthulhu Death May Die is the giant miniature. I'm in your boat, Terrence. I, I've got other dungeon crawlers I'll play. Cthulhu Death May Die is fun. I'll play it anytime it's on the table. I don't need to own it. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel. It's just like, if someone asked me to play it, I'd be happy to play it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like the other thing is like, it's like hard to get into because of how Simon does retail. So that's like my other thing is just like, I don't feel the need to like buy into it. But it's a fun experience. It's good. But there's definitely like other dungeon callers, I think, are, that are higher on my list. I did not get it through Kickstarter. I, I bought it through retail and I haven't got everything but I have season one, I have season two, and I have two extra bosses. And I, I mean, that's plenty. And I don't have the giant one, for sure. And I think that's plenty of content. And I was able to get all of it in retail. Now, I don't know about now, because it hasn't been in print for a while. So I don't know if it's still easy to get, but I enjoyed it. And I like that you can modularly add stuff in. So it com- the base game, I think, comes with two bosses. And you could add more, just one at a time if you want, or just pick up... The whole second season and get two more bosses along with a bunch of other investigators. I'm pretty sure that we have it and a single copy of it in the expansion. Feel like if we wanted to order it again through Asmodee, we could get it. So I don't think it's out of print. Oh, okay, that's good to know. It cycles in. That's and out tough of print since I'm not the person who does places the orders. You know, right? <laughs> I know from my local game store, it like cycles in and out of print depending on the print cycles. Well, um, it's also like. Forget it's everything in the last there. year and a half. Oh, yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> you know, right. We have 40 copies of Wingspan because we never know if we'll be able to get it again. Yeah. So after Cthulhu Death May Die, we played another dungeon crawler-ish. I'd say more of a boss battler. Hour of Need, which we have not talked about at all anywhere on our channel before, at least on the podcast and the streaming channel. Was this everybody's first time playing Hour of Need or had anybody played it before? I played it before. We played it together. Colin and I, before we played it with you guys, I think we played on a Wednesday before the, we did uh, the whole con thing started that Thursday. I will tell you right now, two players was definitely a lot more of a sweet spot. We were interacting a lot more together. We were trying to figure out, working together, try to figure out how to get through all the different things you have to in the game more than we did at four players, which was, I think, just out of control. Five, five, five players, five, by the way. Five, sorry, five <laughs> players. It was out of it, You could have put six and it still would have been out of control. It was, it was just bonkers how, how out of control that game was. It seemed like every turn, everybody was just doing stuff because it's fully simultaneous until you decide to use all your actions. Then you have to resolve all the threats in front of you, which are going to do different things on the board. So before you're doing that last action, you're almost asking, is there anything anybody wants to do before I do this action type thing? And some people just like did the actions like, OK, hold on a second. I got to do a like, and do all their stuff. But and it also depends on kind of what your characters and all of them are so different. And I actually had this character that was way broken at a higher player count than yeah. other characters I think I've ever seen in the game. Well, yeah, because your character gave out something to every other player in the game. So in two player, players, you're so giving one thing out. five players, I'm giving four people in a move and in action. Yeah. Instead of taking one myself. Right. Oh, I, sorry, I was doing one too. So everybody on the board got a free move and an action twice during my turn. Yeah, and you only get two actions, right, in the game? Yeah. But not everything's in action. Some cards you play say action. Right. Some cards you play don't say action. So, I mean, yeah. you could end up doing like 10 to 12 things in a turn. I think intentionally so. They want you doing like lots of things. I think there were several problems with our game. And we'll be honest, this is the only game we did not finish of the entire day. We stopped. Everybody was like, all right, 
I've seen what I've needed to see with this one. Yeah. Let's move on to something else. Cause it felt like we, we had were another... just at basically to a punch fest where it's like, we just have yeah. to do enough damage to take on the boss before the boss isn't going to do anything to us. We didn't look like there was going to be a way to, I shouldn't say this, but we probably could have. It didn't seem like there'd be a way to lose at that point. Cause we were able to complete anything the villain has was going to throw at us when it came to like threats or things that would be put on the board that we'd have to accomplish or pick up. We could pretty much take care of all of this and then go back and hit the boss again. So Hour of Need is a superhero version. What is it called? The modular deck system? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it's the mod so you're talking Ultra Quest and Street Masters? Ma- yep. Yeah, Brook City. Brook City. So it's all those ones. And this was the superhero Contra. version one. Oh, Contra, yeah. It did feel like maybe the most streamlined of them all. Yes. And I gotta give Colin props because we all just had a barrage of questions. Like it might've helped him <laughs> to just run the game and not have a character. Definitely learning this. I, I'd actually jump on this game. If, if, if it was available somewhere, I'd jump on it for two or three players. Yeah. I, I actually thought it was pretty fun. I love card play. I love asymmetric characters. I'd be mm-hmm. really interested. And I was the one who kind of got us to call the game, I think, but just kind of doing that math of we had to do a hundred damage, but that person could block like a lot of our damage every turn. And so I think it was the third round of having the hero out. We did 12 damage. And I was like, this is going to go on for a while if we don't find a way to do more than 12 damage. I would totally play it again, just not with five and with people playing their first game. I think if everybody knows the rules at five and then they're playing simultaneous, now you're just saying, oh, I'll take care of that. No, no, I got it because I'm going to do this. Great. I'll go this way. And then you're just doing the cooperative thing, which would be a lot better than rules questions which is always tough with high player counts. and to be fair we played against i think the worst boss for high player count as well because that boss specifically had more defense based on how many more players were around it so the more players around it the bigger the shields were so what we were doing was we were kiting we were running in doing an attack and then running out all of our characters right. would do that. But instead of then being a simultaneous game, which the first couple rounds went really fast, it came to a dead stop because literally everybody one at a time had to run in, run out, <laughs> run in, I, run I, out. I actually felt like those were the faster rounds and the beginning rounds were much slower. Interesting. Uh, the rules. Because, well, just because there was more stuff to do. Like, I, I feel like one of the problems with the game is pacing. Like I was telling Colin, basically the first third of the game was really fun. But once you unlock the boss, it was really boring because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, like if you ever done like a in-person escape room, like we did at Gen Con in 2019, like oftentimes you get thrown a ton of puzzles in the beginning. So it actually scales really well. But then at a certain point, it becomes this like linear puzzle because you've solved all the like surrounding pieces. And then you're kind of just like solving the main thing at that point. And you're going from like point A to B to C. And that basically what the boss fight felt like there's like one thing that gets thrown at you and you have to like deal with it but then like you know everyone's saying it's like it didn't feel like we had problems with that but like only one person to do it and then other people attack the boss but like you don't want to attack the boss for three damage because he's they're gonna punch you for like four to eight you know back right. at you so right just like it's like you'd basically like pull all your stuff into one person doing this punch around right. right those rounds are fast because there just weren't a lot of stuff to do whereas in the first part of the game is actually the, i think where it's at its best because there's a lot to do but that also meant that those were the longest rounds because there were things going on and yeah, these weren't rewarding rounds you weren't yeah. getting things you weren't completing things you were just yeah. well who's going to take the big punch right right mm-hmm. 
All right, so we had some chat from uh, Steve. He says, I never played Cthulhu Death May Die. Need to fix that sometime. Well, you know, I don't mind playing that game anytime. So maybe we even do a stream of it at some point. And then he said, another game I need to try is Hour of Need. He's preparing for Street Master play tomorrow, though. I would say it's very similar to Street Master, except I do think that they've streamlined it. I would even go as far as say it's like a better Street Masters. Yeah, I mean, but it's very similar, I think, also, though, right? It's very similar, but the, I mean, you're not, it, it feels a lot less restrictive because you do have a lot of cards, like you don't have dead cards in your hand. And so there are a lot of things where you can like burn cards to do extra actions. So like one of the things with Street Masters, the only way usually you can do more than one card play turn is through your tactics card. So like kind of the strategy in Street Masters oftentimes is like you want to get at least two, if not all three of your tactics. And almost every fighter has like three tactics out, right? And so like you're basically going around trying to play these tactics and then you have kind of cool events that do things. Whereas this game, I felt like not every card you play actually costs you an action, which is like a big difference. And then also like you can choose to play two cards that were action cards. Whereas like in Street Masters, you you can do a move and you can play a card like it's much more restrictive and regimented, right? Even with all that and even with doing more actions, I still felt like it was more streamlined for some reason. And maybe it's just because you're doing all the fun stuff and not the AI doing all the fun stuff, which was a huge problem with Street Masters. Was. I, I don't know, like it, it didn't feel that much more streamlined in that sense to me, but I also don't find Street Masters that hard to run. Like it's basically like you do your turn, you do the environment turn, you go back and you draw off the enemy deck, you activate, you know, you activate the stuff in front of you. It's not actually that hard to run it, but maybe that's my experience. All right. So we're going to go through these last ones, I think, a lot quicker because we've got <laughs> Planet Unknown here, which is not a cooperative game, but it is a game. <gasps> we can't talk about it. We're, we can't talk about it. We don't talk about competitive. Oh, no. <laughs> Planet Unknown is a polyomino game, which, well, it's, I guess technically not because there are hexes, right? So hexiomino game i don't know but basically they weren't hexes they weren't they were squares they were squares they were square so it's totally a polyomino game that's right playing a different game peter which definitely could happen (laughs) i mean you know me you were playing planet known i'm always playing a different game planet known planet of gnomes is what i was playing i don't know so yes it is it is a polyomino game where you got this circular lazy susan whatever type thing in the middle of the table where there are six different bins of polyominoes in them where you're going to spin it and turn one of those six toward yourself and the other five will be facing up to five other players in the game and you're going to choose you have two tiles on top and you're going to choose one of those two tiles to take for yourself and every player is going to pick from the ones facing in front of them you play it on the board and then you're going to do certain actions based on what types of terrain your tiles have on it i love polyomino games anyway and this is probably one of my favorite and one of the only games i know that plays up to 6 and it's all simultaneous that's i guess a theme that we're getting to here because orleans is pretty simultaneous Power Rangers simultaneous, spare parts is simultaneous, Hour of Need Power is simultaneous. Rangers, Power Rangers is, is simultaneous. It it is really like I mean it isn't, but it is because like you're all fighting at the same time. So I mean, beside that, your actions are like moving, and then like ninety percent of it is fighting. So it's like okay, who wants to play a card here? So I don't know. I I kind of view that as simultaneous. I guess that's a, a little bit of a stretch, but so yeah. What did you all plan it unknown? I really enjoyed it, and it was interesting. I think you had made the comment at the table, 
and you were like, oh man, I just, I love polyamino games. I could play them all day. And I think Colin kind of echoed that. And I was like, oh no, I don't think I like polyamino games. (laughs) I'm not sure that they're some of my favorite games, but I really enjoyed it. I thought like kind of that simultaneous nature, it reminded me of tiny towns where on your kind of turn, you're the one who gets to choose what you want from the lazy Susan. So that's interesting. There was a lot of mechanisms. I wasn't sure if they would all come together, like having to pick up all those little asteroids that were over the place. And they seemed like they were pretty punishing if you don't get them picked up. But timing wise, it worked out pretty well. Competing with your neighbors was interesting. That seemed to be what, for the most part, it was kind of telling you to focus on to kind of get that leg up on people. And yeah, the fact that the shapes of the tiles were constant, but what was on them was different. I thought they were kind of all the same at the first. It was really interesting. And then, of course, tracks are just kind of always fun for like feeling like you level up. And well, yeah, that's stuff. the other thing I didn't talk about. Terrence or Barrett, did you want to talk about the tech tracks? Because that was actually one of the cooler things about the game as well. I love tech tracks. Tech tracks are pretty cool, especially when you go up the wrong one and start doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> so did you I do did. that? I, yeah, I totally was going up the wrong tech. Okay, just to be fair, at the time that we're trying that I'm trying to play this polyonimo extravaganza, I'm also running up and down the stairs trying to grill out some hamburgers for everybody because it's almost time for dinner. So I have to admit, I was like only a quarter of the way figuring out for sure, yeah. this game. Yeah. I had played it before, so it wasn't new to me, which was half the battle, otherwise I'd probably be totally out of it. But there's these four different tech tracks, and as you're moving the cubes up these tracks, you're gaining different benefits. May it be tiles you can place later to try to connect. One of the ways you're scoring is you're able to complete parts of your planet from one side to the other side. And the other ones, you're able to get like bonuses towards your civilization. You're also, they're able to get these cards that can give you benefits. And the first person to get to those card draws is able to not only to pick the one of the four that's there. So if you're the fourth one to get there, you kind of get the last one. So you kind of want to get there early, maybe, to get those better cards. So there's a lot of different ways of figuring out how to use that tech tree to get you to the top, to get you the winning points. I did not win. (laughs) Bottom line, I did not win. Yeah, two of those look pretty similar. The city one and the tech track one, I feel like, looked pretty similar. That would be my only minor, minor complaint about the game. How about you, Terrence? What were your thoughts? I thought it was good. It was probably my least favorite game we played, just because I feel like it just felt very solo. And yes. I think those kind of games just aren't as interesting to me because that's not what I come. I mean, I, I generally don't like competitive games nearly as much, but also like it basically felt like solitaire multiplayer to me. And oh, it definitely like, is. <laughs> to me, that's just like if I want to do that, I can just play a solo game by myself. I, but I thought the puzzle and stuff was interesting. And I, I actually really enjoy polyamoral games as a whole. All right. Hey, Brent, is that one available in retail? Because I looked for it briefly, but I didn't see it. Nope, it's not available yet. Okay. So they just, they had a Kickstarter and now they're doing another Kickstarter. And I'm going to guess when they fulfill the second Kickstarter, they'll print enough for retail. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if they're a smaller company, I get why they wouldn't on their first one have a retail release at the same time because you don't have distribution, right? (laughs) And like, if nobody wants your game, then it's kind of hard to go to retail. All right. So then uh, Terrence and Brent left. We said our goodbyes and you don't have to leave now. (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry. So Barrett, Colin and I ended up playing Spare Parts next and yep. had a uh, had a much better time. Although, again, me not being prepared, we had to print off all the cards for this one. And it took me about 10 times to figure out what was going on. So, again, I appreciate all their patience with that. 
But uh, for me, I thoroughly enjoyed every time I play it. But again, that's more for another day. So yeah, then- but it's a great game so far that I've, I've experienced, Peter. I've experienced a uh, little bit of the campaign. I've experienced a little bit of the Battle Royal type system. And both systems were really good. I enjoy the dice placement, the dice rolling, the dice everything. I enjoy the moving the dudes. I enjoy a lot of it. There's really not much I don't like about it yet. I mean, I haven't really found anything yet, but I've only experienced the game a couple times. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. You got a lot. Yeah, you, you got a good one there, Peter. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. Hopefully, is like it I going said, with you to Gen Con this year? Are you driving? I can bring it with me to Gen Con this year. Yes. Or are can. you interested in a weekend trip to see the lovely weather in Connecticut? No, no, I am not. <laughs> like, okay. I can barely get away for cons. But yes, I will <laughs> have it with me at Gen Con this year if you want to play it. And I promise you I this: do. I will update my version <laughs> before I go. Yes, I don't uh, want to find a printer at Gen Con. That no, no worry. Be... You're going to use the ones that you print at my house, so they're all. So you there you go. Minnesota at Gen Con will be there. <laughs> absolutely, there absolutely. So we played two more games, and they were both quick ones. We played yes. Fuse next with yes, your wife. Did. So I was glad yeah. she was able oh, to join she us. She was really excited to do that. We had an absolute blast. She was super. She talked about the next day how much fun that was to be able to play with you guys and hang out a little at the end of the night there. So it was really fun. I, that was probably the funniest game we did because first off we did fantastic. Oh my gosh! So I was like, this game is easy. I never yeah. played it before. It's a real-time dice rolling game where you're just rolling as fast as you can. You're grabbing stuff, rolling fast, like it's time the whole time, and you're trying to get these dice on your cards. So you draw a number of dice equal to the number of players. You roll them on the table. Everybody says, I want the red five or I want the blue two. You're trying to c- complete these patterns on your cards. If you can't, then you have to roll the dice, and it's very punishing. It takes that number or color off of everybody's board. So you can really get in a death spiral pretty quickly if you start getting to situations where you're just not pulling the right dice or rolling the right dice. But it's a lot of frantic fun. You're trying to get a certain number of patterns done in a certain amount of time, 10 minutes. But it seemed like not enough time all at the same time. And like we played it like, I don't know, five, six times in a row. All right, Barrett, go ahead and tell us your experience. We played about five or six times. First time we played it, we are like, well, let's play it on on standard just so everybody gets an idea of how to do it. And we we had like four or five minutes left and we blew this thing out of the water. It was like... I was like, wow, this is a cakewalk. We should do the next level. So it went up level, didn't win the rest of the night at all. Not even close. We didn't come (laughs) to the point where we were getting the standard number done. Basically, the standard is like you have 32 cards you got to get through, where then you go to the next level, it's like 35 cards. So depending on how many cards you play determines the difficulty of your game. So we were going at first with a 32. We did it all the way through. And what you have to do is you have to make sure you get all the bombs out of the middle of the table. You can still have bombs next to you because you always have two cards in front of you. And you can do that as long as there's all the bombs are off the middle of the field, then you win. But we couldn't even get off the field. And no. like my wife has said in the chat, it was fun except for the losing part. She hates losing. This is very true. She does not like <laughs> We're laughing hysterically. It's like, okay, who needs a red five? We're looking, nobody needs a red five. Huh? Like at one point, we were just throwing dice around. It was just mass chaos. We weren't winning. It was hilarious. We had an absolute blast. Super fun time. I mean, it's Terrence's kind of game right there. Just yeah. speed play, wild, frantic craziness. I'm assuming you've never played this terror. Uh I've never played Fuse, but I definitely have played other like time games. Like I introduced Colin to XCOM, which I enjoy. Oh, that okay. Game's uh, awesome. I have that game. And then the other one I've done, it's like a Hanabi type thing, Bomb Squad. See, those kind of games don't strike me as Terrence type games. It surprises me, actually, that you say you do like those even a little bit. Well, I mean, it's like Hanabi style, right? I like them more than the mine for party games. And then XCOM, Blasphemy. I think, is... XCOM I, is, I, is I, both, I, like... 
is both like time, like both time and non-time, right? Like when you're resolving this stuff, it's not time, but when you have right. to basically make decision, the first half it is. XCOM is an amazing real-time non-time strategy. Yeah. Strategy. I, I'd play that any day of the week. That game is so much fun. But I, I've only played that one once. I have to get that back to the table again. Yeah, uh, you have I, to. I don't own it, but next time, maybe a Gen Con or some other time. I had it. Together. We could have played it, but my, next time. It doesn't, next, next time. It doesn't scale to five, which I think was no. one of the reasons we didn't bring it yeah. out. Yeah, we didn't because well. it didn't scale to five. All right, Brent, That's how about you? You played Fuse? Oh, Fuse is excellent. I, I actually would imagine that I've probably purchased Fuse like the most times of any game because play it with people and give it to them or somebody will say, oh, can you get me a copy from your store? I want to give it to my neighbors or, you know, my aunt or whatever. Like people love that game. And at the 10 minutes, right, real time just makes it perfect because... Mm -hmm. I think that's how a lot of people think about games, like people who just kind of want to have some games in their closet. They don't want a pile of games on a shelf that's right. built into their wall permanently like I have. So it's that perfect game of just like, oh, I could teach you these rules in a couple minutes and boom. And then we play it for 10 minutes and then we decide are we playing it for an hour or two or are we done after the 10 minutes? Or and you don't really decide that because we just kept saying one more game. One more game. Right, one right. more game. There was no decision ever made except yeah. for are we playing the next game? Yeah, we're going to play one more game. When you don't win a fuse, you always want to play again. That's the deal. Which we never won again, by the way. No. We won the first game. Wait, wait why, why didn't you playing. stop while you're ahead? You played that I mean, first game and you won. You should have just walked away. Have you ever and been to a casino, Terrence? It's not how it works, buddy. You just keep going. I mean, I, I, you just keep I, throwing seen, your money, I've, good over bad. I've, I've seen Barrett's other records on games. Spirit Island, 2-0, walked away while he's ahead. Nice. All right, our last one. The Crew Mission Deep Sea. So that's yes. the, the newest version of the crew. The crew is a trick-taking game where everybody's playing one card from their hand. You typically have to follow suit. So there are four suits in the game. The card's numbered one through nine. So if you're playing the pink one, somebody else has to play pink cards if they can. If not, they can play any other card, including wild cards, which there are four of in the game. And whoever plays the highest card of the suit that is led wins that trick. Unless somebody played a wild card and then the highest wild card will win the trick. And Or Trump. You could call it Trump is another word. Trump, wild card, whatever. Yes. Yes. I should know. I've, I love trick-taking games. This one is unique in the fact, both the crew and the crew Mission Deep Sea are unique in the fact that they are cooperative. So with the crew, it was very straightforward. It was basically you'd take a number from the deck and the first player, whoever has the four of the wild, would get to pick one of the numbers from the middle of the table. So they say, I'm going to win the yellow nine. And the next person says, okay, well, the only other option I have is the pink two or whatever. And so everybody's taking cards from the middle of the table. To do that with Mission Deep Sea, it's a next level of complexity beyond that. It might say you have to take the pink two before the yellow nine is taken or something like that. I don't think that's any of the cards, but you get the point. There's like two levels of strategy to each of the cards. Or they say you must win at least three tricks with a nine or something like that. So there is a, another level of complexity to the crew mission deep sea. But I mean, I love it. I love the fact that it scales pretty well, probably worse at two, but it's got an interesting dummy player that you do with two players. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I love trick taking anyway, and the crew does it very well. And, and I love the fact that it's co-op. So, Barrett, this was your first time playing it. What were your thoughts? It was. I'm going to buy it. I'm I'm a big fan. I like trick-taking games as well. We, My wife and I play uh, 500 a lot with my in-laws. We play Pinochle. We play all these different like card games from my past. And when these just accelerate it by being co-op even, which is pretty sweet. I think my favorite card we drew was the 
one that was decide how many tricks you're going to take without telling anybody. And oh you had, yeah, he, so Peter had to like pretty much write down like how many things he's going to, he, I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to take this many tricks. Then we don't know what it is. And we're trying to play and think like, okay, he puts out a red five. Does he want me to take that? Or, <laughs> <laughs> that? I don't know. And then somebody will take it and be like, mm, okay, well, now I'm trying to make this. So it was, it was really cool. It was, it was a really, really fun game. Yeah, um, I led with a seven first trick of the game. I'm like, all right, let's see what they're going to do here because this is a card I'm worried about. If they take it, then I'll know, okay, then I can play out my hand pretty aggressive. And if they don't take it, I know I have to throw off the rest of the game. So, so you put the ball in their court. I put the ball in their court, and they Got let it. me take it. But then they were, like, trying to give me tricks the rest of the game. Like, I'd play a four, and they're, like, playing the three and the two. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, like do you think I counted this four as a win? Like, this isn't give me all the tricks. I was like, I was like what is going on here? So uh, I do like the fact that there's, like, a stack of this high of cards that you use to figure out what's going to happen. There's not, like, a small deck of, like, things you're going to see a lot. You're going to – you could play a lot of different times and not see the same – card of what you're supposed to try to do for that turn yeah absolutely so terrence have you played the crew at all yeah i own it i haven't played it all too much just a few times with my family one of the games i guess i pull out for people that don't play board games as much as i do it's like something you can explain within five ten minutes yeah it's good nice all right brent sounds like you like this one Oh, yeah, I love the crew. So like the weekend that COVID happened in March and Gamma was going on. So at the time, Brian and his family, Brian's the owner of the store, uh, Brian and Larry had gone to Gamma and then they came back like through all the airports in that 2020, but they had gotten the crew. So it was like the game they were playing in every airport and everything. And so Brian and his wife and my wife, Kathy and I, the four of us sat down like two weeks in a row. We just played every night at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. And uh, we played 99 games of the crew and we beat all 50 missions in 99 games. And that is one of my top 10 like gaming board gaming experiences ever. It was so good. Just yeah. having that game to play, you know, all those nights when we're just at home and there's nowhere else to go getting yeah. to play with them. So Crew's so great. fun. It's funny because I played this game mostly with Mike and Jerry and there comes a time every night where Mike starts cursing and just says, forget it. I'm not playing anymore. And, like, it always feels like he hates the game. And then, like, next week, it's like, all right, what do you guys want to play? He's like, how about the crew? I'm like, what? Like, you're the one always complaining. Like, this game's so luck-based. There's so much this and that and the other. But even with all that, it's still just a blast to play. So let's go around the circle and just say, what was your experience? I know we didn't all do Con of Heroes. But, I mean, I'm calling this, like, our OSCS con, right? Like, our first getting together, just playing games together. It wasn't everybody, obviously. Mike wasn't there and Jason wasn't there. But I feel like this is the first time we got together and played quite a few games together all at once. So, what was your experience playing? And uh, I guess, like, what's the best part about getting together with people again, right? (laughs) Or maybe that's the answer, not the question, is just great getting together and playing with people again. So I guess I'm going to leave that as my final thoughts and, uh, you know, I'll leave you all to your own. But Terrence, how about you? What were your thoughts about the weekend as a whole and, you know, just all the the games we got to play? I don't get to see Colin and Barrett and you uh, very much. I think the last time was 2019 at Gen Con and it's the first time I've even met Brant. It was also nice to see Colin's family and, and meet uh, Baron's family as well. Like, uh, I think I maybe at Con of the Rings got to say hi to Robin maybe one time late at night. One time, uh, it was nice to you know see the I guess like 
the whole family of stuff. I think that's one of the neat things about visiting people where they live and then just sitting down. And for me, it was like a like as much as it was playing at Kind of Heroes, playing Marvel Champions, like it was also as an organizer, like you you had to work it. And so it was nice like for this part of it that other people were basically in charge of everything. Like I just had to show up and I got a car ride from place A to B most of the time. And also it was nice just to not eat Game Center food, I think on Sunday. That was definitely like a highlight for me. See, I liked it, but I was only there for two days. So I, I was actually very happy with the food that they had there. For like food at a game place, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it, top notch, but it, it can it, be a little old. It, and of course, what did I serve everybody for dinner that night? Oh, burgers. <laughs> like they had that burger like for the whole week and sitting at the, at the con at the Euros. I was like, oh, wait, what am I doing? I'm a burger. That was my first burger, parent. Okay. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I had had the pizzas. I had the cheese curds and lots of beer, but uh, no burgers. So I appreciate that. All right, Brent, how about you? What were your just overall thoughts on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it's definitely meeting the people. Like, I love streaming Marvel Champions. I love playing with Brian and Steve or, or with Larry. But just to meet people that either had watched us or watched you guys or hadn't watched anybody but just love Marvel Champions and to sit down. I mean, I played standard most of the weekend. Yep. It really wasn't about like, oh, I'm going to bring this deck and I'm going to show you how Rocket Raccoon works. Or like, yeah. I didn't want any of that. I just wanted to sit down with people and get through a game and, and have people come over to talk to you and you can talk to them. And so that was really fun there. And then getting to meet everybody. I mean, Terrence, I'd never met. Barrett, Colin. Peter was there. I was just there. Absolutely. (laughs) I'd already met you at PAX Unplugged. But that was great. Barrett, totally thankful for the food. You were like, oh, I would never want to get on a plane with an empty stomach. And it was awesome that you were like on that for, you know, whatever it was a little bit before dinner so that we'd be all set. So I really appreciate that. And huge props to Colin. He taught like every game that day. Yeah. At some Mm -hmm. point, I gave him a little bit of snark. And he was like, oh, it's okay. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. I was just joking. You're doing an amazing job. And I know for me, I'm a terrible traveler. So that like eventual plane flight coming up gives me some form of anxiety. So I was super thankful to him for teaching all those games. He did an amazing job keeping us moving one game through another. And yeah, it was just an awesome weekend. I loved it. And I I hope I can go back sometime. All right, Barrett, bring us home. What are your thoughts? By the way, there's a contest. So don't go away yet. If If you made it this far... Don't go away. We're still giving away something at the end here. All right, parent. So what's the number one thing I can take away from that? My baby's home. <laughs> the uh, number man, one thing I, you I, took I, away. I, I, feel, I feel like your wife is going to come down. And... <laughs> My wife might come down and tell me that that's not going to be around for long. No, seriously, though. It was awesome to see everybody. Um, I do get to hang out with Colin quite a bit, which is pretty sweet. We have a lot of fun playing games together. But what's really cool is to be able to play with all the other people that we know and meet all over the world. Or not, I guess, the world, but at least America. I haven't met too many people from all over the world. Seeing Terrence again was fun. Actually playing games with Peter again is fun. Brant, blast to meet you finally. It's just, but it was great. We played a lot of awesome games. I really wish I could have made you guys all play Nemesis, one of my favorites. But Colin That would have been a full day game. Oh yeah, that would have been an all day. <laughs> and that was that was what we were trying to. It, I have to admit, Colin and I sat there Wednesday night. We were going to play a game of Journeys on Wednesday, and we decided to play Hour of Need because we could get that done faster. And then we could sit there and look at his game collection, look at my game collection, be like, "What can we play with five people mm. that it's going to take years to play that can go pretty quick that we can have a lot of fun doing?" And so the big Cthulhu came out. Yeah. Hour of Need. We just got done playing. So we're like, "Let's do that game. I think that'll be fun." Plan on knowing everybody gets to simultaneously pick those pieces. So we're trying to think of those type of games. Sadly, I have to tell you, 
Uh, there's not much my collection that's really simultaneous play very much, but it, it's it, there. There's some fun games. It's not simultaneous very often. So we kept it. He was able to bring and supply some fun games for us to play, which is really cool. Overall, it was a great time. Great time. I'm glad you guys came. I hope you were able to experience Minnesota nice as much as we could. I came in from San Diego, which everybody tells me has the most beautiful weather in the world. The weather in Minnesota was way better than the weather in San Diego that weekend I was in, for sure. It was I like, even opened the window for Peter. He loved it. Oh, yeah. That's the <laughs> other thing we forgot to mention. The snowdrifts were wonderful that in May. I tell you what. It was so cold in Barron's basement. I don't know how you do anything down there. It is so cold. It was the coldest place. He's wearing a t-shirt right now, right? It is the coldest place on the planet Earth. I am not kidding you. I thought it was like 20 degrees in Minnesota that day. We walk upstairs and go outside and it's like 80 degrees outside. I'm like, what the heck? How is your basement so cold? It was like literally an Arctic. I don't know. It's a man cave. I'm surprised there are not penguins and polar bears living down there. This is ridiculous how cold that basement was. Good stuff. So what is our contest for? At Con of the Rings, we had a custom scenario. Con of Heroes. Con of Heroes. Oh, my gosh. I don't organize that other conference. (laughs) At Con of Heroes, there was a custom scenario that was put out, and it is available for print and play. So I will have that in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast, so you can uh, find it there. So you can go print and play it yourself. Hitch's Marvel Champion Tabletop Simulator mod has the Con of Heroes custom stuff on there as well. So you can go play it there if you want to try it. But we have an actual printed copy of the cards. So not just the scenario, but there's a new standard set of cards. And there is a new... Um, there's monster set, but they're all used as part of the campaign. And you can obviously use them outside as well. Scrolls, uh, that's what they're called. Yeah, scrolls. So there's a, a scroll invasion is is this modular set. So we have a contest to win. We have three copies of those along with the first player token as well that says Con of Heroes on it. Pretty cool giveaway. So three lucky people win. How do you win? You're going to email us at MVP, the letters M, the letter V, the letter P, board games with an S at the end, all one word, MVP board games at gmail.com. Put contest in the subject line and then tell us who is a scroll, Terrence or Peter, and give us a little description of why. Currently, I am in the lead. People think I am the scroll, not Terrence, that I am the imposter. So if you want to think of Battlestar Galactica, it's like, who's the Cylon? Who's the scroll? Right now, I'm in the lead. Definitely Peter. Definitely Peter. No, Terrence, come on. Get out of here. I'm going to run Definitely not a scroll. Well, we've, we've got some arguments on both sides here. So I'm going to read two of them out real quickly to you. We got Annie, who says, Peter is the scroll. I know this because he's always singing those bad 90s songs to try to seem like a human. <laughs> So I thought that was pretty good. And then we've got Dan, who was in the chat earlier. He said, Terrence is definitely the scroll. He just happens to leave the country right before the con, then shows back up in the country just in time for the event. Definitely the scroll. <laughs> I think Bear is the scroll. No, yeah. I think it's the goat. It's like a Kaiser Sose thing. The greatest (laughs) trick the devil ever pulled was making people even exist. (laughs) Let's be honest. I I feel like Terrence is the scroll and he's going to eat that goat as soon as the camera goes off. (laughs) I mean, this bread has been here on like multiple streams now. I feel like I was going to eat You might have a supply of goats. Right? You're just raising goats. Scroll eating. Raising stuffed goats? (laughs) (laughs) Raising stuffed goats. That's what scrolls eat, right? Stuffed goats? I feel like that's a thing. All the time. All the time. Yes. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. I know it's been a little bit silly. It's a little bit long, but we've certainly had a lot of fun, and we're glad you came along with us for the ride. 
I'm glad you guys came to Minnesota. You guys are welcome anytime. So is anybody. Anybody stopping in, say hi. Anybody who comes in, just find the coldest place in Minnesota. <laughs> find the coldest place Bring a thermostat and like like one of those Ghostbuster things. It's like, you know, looking for ectoplasm. Just look for the coldest yep. place in Minnesota. And that's Baron's basement. You'll be fine. You'll find there it. Is. My window will be open for you in the basement blowing <laughs> in that nice cold air. Nice. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey guys. Let's do it again. Start from the beginning. <laughs> I forgot to hit record. Oh my gosh, that's, that would be amazing. Just think of all the cool things I could say again. <laughs> Maybe we'll be able to hear you this time, Barrett. Yeah, it's this weird voice. No, it'll be underwater this time if we stay too long. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just see Cthulhu float up slowly. <laughs>